Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Um, we've taken a bit of a hiatus. I think Nick thought that we weren't, so he posted a bunch of stuff on YouTube. So if you guys haven't had a chance, check that out. I may try to post-date some of those episodes, put them up, but there's some pretty cool stuff. But Anyways, back to what we're doing today, where we're at today. It is Jack and I, and um, Jack just raced um, Indian Wells, 70.3, and um, his race recap went as follows. Uh, Fuck Mark Dubrick. Wait, what? (laughs) You weren't supposed to say that on the recording. Oh, shoot. Oops. (laughs) Um, no, but you guys had, you guys had a great race. Um, both of you, I know it, maybe it wasn't like your most stellar day, but you had a nice consistent day. You came fifth on like, in just like an absolutely stacked field. And, uh, Mark had a crazy sprint at the end coming in second and, um, Nick salvaged what was uh, kind of a poor swim in his words and pulled himself up to 18th coming out of the water in like 40th or something. So. Not a bad day. Tamara yeah. second and Leslie fifth as well. Fourth. Leslie's fourth. fourth. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, pretty solid days all around. I would say biggest standout personal performance of the day would have been Mark. And then, you know, Tamara pretty solid. Not her best race ever, but definitely good. And Leslie, probably her best race of the year, I would say. And and from what I was talking to her, she was definitely happy with it. Um, pretty decent day for me and Nick. So, yeah, I mean, I just this this brings a bit of a streak to an end for me. I had podiums in every non-championship race of the year so far, and I also had podiums every time I've raced in Southern California. Um. So those couple streaks came to an end. However, I did have a pretty good day for sure. Um, but yeah, any wells, nice, cool conditions. The water ended up being 58, which was like not that cold really when it comes down to it. Uh, considering we did, we did some, we did a swim in 52 to get ready for it. Uh, and that was really cold, but 58 felt not bad at all after that. Um, I find that everyone always gets way too worked up about the water temperature at Indian Wells. Yeah, last year it was colder, but still fine. Last year just it was colder overall and still not really a big deal. So, um, yeah, I think it definitely there's there's races out there that are worse. Um, oh yeah, it was sure. kind of like I wouldn't a, say worse, but. It's like almost better when it gets colder. Yeah. Yeah. I like the cold, <laughs> but, um, but in any case, yeah, it was pretty crazy the way that the race ended up being like over 50 guys. Like I think there was like 46 who actually finished. Um, so it was like yeah, close to 60 guys. Um, so that's a lot of people. So anytime that happens, as long as you have like, you know, a pretty good depth, across the top of the field, you're going to have a more of a championship style dynamic in the race. Um, and that's exactly what we had. We had, uh, Greg Harper, who's former collegiate swimmer and seems to be 
probably the best swimmer in North America, at least for Ironman 70.3 or any long course racing. Um, he led the charge and really swam hard. And, uh, you know, it, even, even Mark was saying the pace was pretty hard. It was a definitely not an easy swim at all. And he was eighth in that group. So really hard pace. Um, our group kind of, I, as is typical for me in a big start, I ended up getting like pretty much, uh, squished out and had no space after like the first 10 meters fell back body length to be able to kind of swim actually. And then by then I was playing catch up and having to cross gaps. And I did end up getting into the second group after having to cross a couple of gaps. Um, but I really had no chance to be in that first group anyway, to be honest, because the pace would have just been too hot and lost about two twenty to the leader. So pretty frustrating that that what like actually felt like a pretty good swim was two twenty down. Um, I'm just, I'm over being okay at swimming. Like I'm done with that BS. I'm freaking getting better this off season. If it kills me, like I'm just focusing on getting more efficient. Like it's going to happen. Um, I've already got some ideas for how I'm going to do that, but anyway, so whatever in, as far as the race goes, had a pretty good swim for what I'm swimming right now and for how strong of a caliber of race it was and a really good T1. Um, I always have a good T1 there because nobody seems to realize that it's faster if you take your wetsuit off before you grab your T1 bag, because then you can actually put it in the bag while you're running rather than having to stop with the bag, take it off and just waste a whole bunch of time. So, yeah, you had the third fastest transition. Yeah, I saw that. It was only a second slower than Mark and Ben, and but ben, also yeah. it's a long run. And I guarantee you those guys are running way faster than me because I was like, there was no point in me running hard because there was no one around for me to immediately catch up to because they were so far ahead anyway. So, uh, any case, good transition, got on the bike, started working pretty hard, dropped my group pretty much right away. Um, I was doing like 330, 340, which is what a little bit above what I can hold for a half. And I was, you know, moving well. Sam caught me after about 10 or 11 K and that was like 40 seconds he crossed. So that's pretty insane. When you think about how I was doing, I was going faster than the lead group and he caught me that quickly, but it was obviously part of his strategy um, to cross the gap to me because after he caught me, we just worked together for a really long time. We were doing like 10 ish minute turns uh, and we were moving quite well. The Justin Metzler group kind of hung on to us for a little bit, but um, they fell off after like 10 minutes. Um, and we were making good time. And to the first turn, which was at like 10 miles, we'd made up or like I'd made up about a minute. So Sam would have made up over a minute, like a minute 40. And then from there to the second turn, which was at like roughly the halfway point, we barely made up any more time. We made up like another 20 to 30 seconds. Um, so then it was kind of getting hard to catch them. <laughs> um, and then from there, it was just like crazy. We like could not make up time. We we caught Ben Canoe because he had a 30 second penalty. And that was right before the technical section through the race car track. And Ben got on to behind Sam and then I was behind Ben. And I kind of thought this would happen, but I put myself in this position. 
Ben wasn't able to stay with Sam through that race car section. So I had to go around him. And by the time that all happened, I was like 80 meters behind Sam. So I really had to work very hard for like 20 K just trying to get my way back up to Sam, uh, which I did do, but then that was kind of when we were catching the splinters of the lead group. And that included Mark, which was Mark and Matt McElroy and Matt Sharp. All I caught them all at the same time. And I put in a big surge because I had to try to catch Sam anyway, and I wanted to drop them. But Mark Dubrick was able to hang on for the rest of the bike behind me. So he definitely had a really good bike for him in terms of his overall performance. It was his best ride ever for sure. Um, and I did let Sam go in the last like 4K because it was just a bit too hard. And I didn't want to get onto the run with absolutely dead legs. Um so I got off the bike and I towed Vettel, Thor- Vettel Thorn was his name, right? The Norwegian and yep. Mark Dubrick for the last like 15 K. Um, and then yes, had a bad T2, but whatever. And then I starting the run, those guys just kind of took off and I was running on my own the whole time. Um, I actually Dude, felt Sam, ha- Sam had a monster T2. He went really? 120, and the closest to him was Matt Sharp at 131. So he out-transitioned him by 11 seconds. Holy, that's incredible. Yeah, and everyone else was, like, in the 140s, basically. Yeah, so that's yeah. freaking – I don't know. Maybe he doesn't put socks on. I had a really bad one because I did that thing where you jam your foot into the bottom of the sock, and then oh, your yeah. foot gets stuck, and then you have to, like, redo it. So that was a bit crappy on my part, but – um i felt strong but the bike just took too much out of me like it was it was just always pretty hard the whole bike i never got any sort of rest in a group that was more than like 30 seconds um so that was tough but honestly i probably should have just tried to go behind sam immediately when we caught ben canute but like i couldn't really because he just kind of slotted into where that distance was so yeah that was tough because i knew ben was going to struggle to keep up with him and the rest of the ride was much easier before we caught ben when i could actually just pace myself consistently behind sam and and i would hover between 12 to like 20 meters and sort of just make up the time to get back up to 12 where it felt fit but once somebody else leaves a gap open you're kind of screwed so anyway that that definitely made it harder but it was just a hard ride like i I averaged the exact same powers last year, actually, which was 324. Um, and rode a couple minutes quicker. Um, but yeah, I just need if my swim's better, I'm in a totally different position there. But all that being said, with how I had to ride, I ran pretty well. I I still ran a bit quicker than last year. Um and yeah, so so those two dudes took off, Sam and a couple of the Norwegians and Justin real were up the road. Um, Justin came back pretty quick. And so I was in sixth and then the, uh, the third Norwegian kind of blew up on lap two and I was able to catch him at like probably 16 K or something. But Mark, he like just paced it really well. Cause he didn't go out super hard. He let Vettel take off and get pretty far ahead of him at one point. But Vettel Thorne and Sam Long were kind of in a battle for second. And it looks like they pushed a little bit too hard early on. But coming to the last turnaround, I saw Mark. And he was like a minute 30 ahead. 
of me and the other two guys were not like just where you come onto the course and you can see the out and back they had already passed that point so they were well over two minutes ahead so i thought okay mark's fourth like that's good but that's all he's gonna get and then i cross the finish line and i'm like where'd you end up finishing assuming it was like fourth i think i said like oh did you get fourth and he said no i got second and i was like what how is that possible like he was so far behind those guys and um looking at the splits he ran the last split which was three point no just under 3k it was like 2.7k or something he ran it like a minute faster than the next best guys a minute wow so like thinking about that like sam and Vettel were for sure starting to struggle. Like they both ran it slower than even I did. Um, but like he outran them by like a minute over a minute and freaking passed them in the last less less than three K. So when you think about that, 25 seconds per K faster is pretty wild. Um, so that was an incredible close, and we've seen him do that. He did that at 70.3 worlds as well. So moral of the story when I'm ahead of Mark by a minute in the last 3k at challenge it ain't Venus. over i'm just basically burying myself to finish as hard as i can because i know he can just somehow find another gear um but yeah it was really cool that he freaking <clears throat> managed to do that that was stellar apparently the people yeah. after the race like the official the iron man officials like sent him an email letting him know like oh just so you know like we checked the timing it's all legit you're not under investigation or anything and he's like I didn't think I was even under investigation. Yeah. Some, somebody must have complained or something to like get them to look at it because he was so much faster than everybody in that last part. It was crazy. Maybe he got one of those like scooter, electric scooters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The part of the course where there's the most fans, everybody's watching. He's yeah. Somehow, somehow in the it. bright, bright colored RTS kit. Yeah. But yeah. In any case, that was really good. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, but you're right, man. You're right about the swim. Like, the game is really changing. It used to be where, like, just those championship-level races, the swim mattered that much. But now it's, like, every race, and especially now that we're going to have the series, the global series or whatever they're calling it, um, I think the swim is going to be really important. Like, for me in Florida, you know, I lost focus for, like, 30 seconds pack was gone whole day is like completely changed yeah it's wild and like people people affect the like on the swim and the bike there's often people who can affect impact the race greatly who will not be impacting like the top five at the end of the day um yeah in this case greg harper incredible swimmer but he's not going to be a top 10 in that field or whatever but he pushes the swim so he changes the whole dynamic of the race which that's just part of the sport and then same thing on the bike um like justin real who's had a podium this year he's really good really good athlete he's improved a ton um but in that field like he's just a little bit outclassed on the run so far he's going to keep getting quicker of course but when he caught that lead group because he was like just dangling off in the swim, that's when they like accelerated. And that's when it was harder for me and Sam to make up time. But he's so strong. Like if you're not a fast swimmer, you can't 
take advantage of those people who sort of accelerate the pace of the race and you're sort of at the mercy of whatever happens up front. And that's where, yeah, I just need to freaking be faster on the swim and there's no, there's like no other way around it really. Like I, I, I will be, I know I can still improve my bike and kind of get a couple things dialed in with testing aerodynamics, small changes of like the front end and helmet and stuff. And I will be doing that. But that's not going to be like 30 watts. Like I'm hoping to save like 10 watts. Um, so and realistically, everyone else is freaking doing that anyway. And it'll probably put me in the same relative position as where everybody is now. So um, I've just got to do it on the swim, man. Like there's no. Yeah, there's no other way to do it. And, and then, like. And like. um, Even two, three years ago, man, if you biked a 159, 57. Didn't matter what you swam or what you ran, you you won the race. Yeah, because nobody else was breaking two oh five pretty much. Like yeah. When I won races and I was like getting fastest bike splits and stuff back in like twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen, I was riding like two oh six on fast courses, like pretty fast courses. Uh um, yeah. And now it's like ten minutes differential pretty much almost. It's just wild. Um, but it's pretty cool too. Like it's just amazing how much the level is pushed up um but yeah so he crushed it uh t norway casper storn's got the win mark snuck in there for second uh sam long third vettel thorn from norway as well fourth myself fifth um and then on the Bull. women's yeah fully sixth fully sixth, yeah and that's i was having to keep myself honest in the second half of that run because he was there he was making up time I figured I'd hold him off and I actually I actually felt pretty solid through the middle part of the run. I think I ran better. But um yeah, he just ran out of ran out of time. But yeah, even him who ran basically the same split as Mark was like almost a minute slower in the last 2.7k. Um so it was yeah, pretty crazy. So women's side we had what was the name of the Norwegian girl who won? I can't remember because I was the first uh, time I ever heard her name. <clears throat> Uh, Solvig loved Seth. So oh, she's yes. the girl. She won uh the European Games this year for draft legal. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. That was her first ever seventy point three. And yeah, uh, that she was beat Tamara. Impressive. I Tamara was yeah. You know she was very okay with her race. Certainly not still like over the moon that. That performance um, was certainly something like she it's within her wheelhouse that she could have won that race on like a really good day. Um, but yeah, obviously, Love Sith was pretty much on fire on the bike. Pretty impressive to ride that well in your first ever 70.3. Like, there's not much else to say other than that was a really freaking good debut. Um, yeah, she, she out she outrode the, the second fastest rider who was Leslie by almost five minutes yeah so that was probably a very similar performance to like what paula did last year um so really freaking good <laughs> uh yeah yeah pretty amazing and then tamra and then jackie herring leslie and who was fifth uh gabrielle lumps lumpkies yeah yeah, I, so I apologize for the pronunciation there, Gabrielle. <laughs> She's definitely listening. So 
We better yeah. apologize. Everyone but, listens. But in any case, I like this race. I mean, the only thing that's annoying about it is the road quality is terrible, um, which feels frustrating because there's like a lot of really nice quality roads and they just don't use any of them. But I don't know if you can see this. Do you see how like swollen my elbow is? Uh, no, but I take your word for it. It's super like fat. Like you can see it from the side there a bit. There, I've got a swollen bursa in my elbow from like hitting it on a lane rope, and then doing a bunch of, um, planks and stuff, and just not letting it heal. So those roads were not very friendly to that, and it got a lot worse after. But aside from that, swims great. Run course is awesome. It's like through a golf course. I mean, you know, you did it last year and you had a yeah. good day that was screwed over by an unfortunate call by an official. So. Arg. Grr. So next up, we've got Challenge Salinas. Yeah, um, what is that race? It's a pretty standard challenge race down in Ecuador. Um, It's the first year this race is happening, but it's not. It's almost like, you know, the only race of this whole year that's feels like back to the good old days of of uh field depth because there's actually only like 16 guys on the start list the i'm the top ranked marcus second um justin real third then there's jao ferreira um nick and there's one other guy in there who who's from I forget where another South American country, I think is pretty solid, but not a crazy amount of depth. So it'll be interesting, but also it's, it's apparently a 20 meter draft zone race, I think. Um, and a bit of a hilly bike. So it should be a totally different dynamic than what we just saw in Indian Wells. There's not going to be like this crazy fast swim pack that bikes super hard. And, uh, it should be more of like a solo TT type race. So that'll be interesting to see because that, should play in my favor in theory. Um, and I'm hoping I can feel pretty solid there and just try to smash the bike and get whatever I can in terms of a lead. And Mark will be there trying to chase me down. So who knows, but Justin reels there. It'd be great if I can actually have a good swim and, and get out with him or close and we could work together a bit. Cause he's quite strong in the bike. Obviously he's really improved. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but Gotta gotta finish it off. Another solid race, and then an off season <clears throat> of getting so end of the season, and then um, obviously you signed your contract with PTO. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, I that's that's hearsay. It's certainly something that I wish was true, but I don't. Oh. think I'm gonna be. I don't think I'm gonna be getting a PTO contract. I, I just don't see how that's gonna happen. So yeah. I, I'm not ranked I'm, high enough at this point. And even if I win the next race and get like a really good score for a fast time for like faster than the top five average, um, probably best case scenarios, I'd be like low thirties for ranking. And that's probably not going to be enough for a contract. Yeah. So I must've heard that somewhere else on some other podcast where they were speculating then. Did that actually happen? No. <laughs> I was throwing it out there. Um, I like we we basically haven't heard anything about what's going on with the PTO stuff. Yeah, at least from uh, the outside world. 
they have two races confirmed. I know that. I don't even remember which ones. Um, um Ibiza and Singapore. Okay. So we'll see. I know they're trying to secure multiple year contracts with all these races, which is why it's been harder than they hoped because it's a lot harder to get places to agree to multi-year stuff when they haven't, you know, it's just harder, I guess, which makes sense. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't even know. All I want to do right now is crank this race out, take time off, but also just do everything better next year. Like, my attention to detail this year, I think, has just been a bit disappointing. Um, I kind of, I've trained well and I've raced well for the most part, but I just feel as though I've sort of just been like, oh, I'll just do what I've always done and it'll be good and I'll do well. And that's kind of happened, but I haven't really like taken that next level of attention to like, how can I actually push myself up to another level that I need to? So that's going to be what I'm thinking about for next year. And I don't think it needs to be more training at all. I just think a little bit more of like engagement in the process and doing some of the little things a bit better, like even just nutrition habits, like outside of sport nutrition, regular old eating habits, not just relying on snacks all the time, even though I snacks are great. Got to just eat a little better and um, be a little bit more engaged in sort of some of the like things to help improve run form that I was doing in 2022, like not changing my form, but just doing a bit more activation and run specific strength before a run to kind of actually run properly and little things like that, that I think even if they don't make a huge difference, it's more about the mental state you're in when you're actually doing them. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I've been coming to grips with too. I think I need to, there's a couple things. So I need to clean up my sleeping I need to get better at sleeping, just like getting into bed on time and like better sleep hygiene. So not messing around when I get into bed so much. Um, and then I think you need nutrition. to talk. I don't go on TikTok in bed anymore. That's good. But, um, um, but yeah. And then I think another thing I need to do, I, need to get in and get some sort of aero testing done because I am so frustrated of from like doing a race, getting destroyed on the bike and then going and seeing other guys power data and being like, they pushed like 30 to 40 Watts less than me. And they outbike me by like 10 minutes. Yeah. And just being like on a flat course, like not climbing, you know, where stuff like that can get, but just being like, what the heck is happening? Like, What's going on here? Where am I bleeding all this time? Um, and then well, you should come do also, velodrome with me because I'm going to be in velodrome. Yeah, when do you do? Well, let's talk about it. I'm down because I've I'm at the point now where like I can afford to make these investments, and like I might as well if I'm going to go all in on this. So, and then so for Good. running, I started working with um, a new coach, and we did some gait analysis actually yesterday and um, he's going to build where he's going to focus on that strength stuff and the form stuff. And we've already found some reasons for injuries um, and stuff like that. So just getting a little more efficient and, you know, I met with him once and we solved all the problems. So now there's no reason I shouldn't be running a one Oh nine off the bike or a two twenty nine for the marathon. Like we figured it out. We did. You can definitely, you can definitely do 
I really think that with when it comes to the arrow testing, the name of the game right now is just testing the basics and figuring out which of the basic things that you can test is best for you. So like helmets, uh, arrow bar angle, width of pads, a little bit with height of pads, but obviously you don't want to go too low. So like weighing the costs and benefits of that. Those are all things you can test pretty quickly. And beyond that, you don't really need to do anything crazy. Like, yeah, you could you could dive into some other things that are going to be pretty small. But for some people, like a zero degree arm angle or a 10 degree arm angle might be like way better than a 20 or a 30 degree or vice versa. So just knowing those things is exactly. so much value. And it's not something that's going to change how you have to train or anything. And like a good example of that, Lauren freaking biked really well in Indian Wells um, for the first we were doing some comparison like he ended up catching a group and just staying in the group and after that point his power dropped way down and like that is not that useful but for the first hour um, he was roughly 52 seconds or something like that behind like he lost 52 seconds to me basically and he was doing um five watts more but he's he's like 10 over 10 kilograms heavier than me so his cda like improved so much just because he did a couple days of arrow testing where he figured out that his arm angle needs to be lower a little bit and he picked the right helmet and changed a couple things with the width of his pads or something and he saved like he he brought his cda from like 0.26 down to 0.23 and those are just things you don't know until you test it. So any exactly. case, it's exactly what I'm going to be doing. And yeah, for me, always it's going to be a bit harder on these really flat courses when you're racing Sam Long, who's 80 whatever kilograms and stuff, but still pretty happy to be able to, you know, have some really solid bike splits, um, even on courses that aren't necessarily my absolute favorite. But I know I can still keep pushing it, like, and I have to, because if you're in a race with Magnus Ditlev or whoever, like you just have to be able to match them, um, especially when you're a bit behind them on the swim, at least as of now. Yeah, that's another thing. Get get that swim. You just got to get it up. I uh, coming later into the season, I let a bunch of um, a bunch of stuff just slip, just attention to detail in the water, and let my volume slip, and it really showed. Um, didn't affect me in Maryland too much because the swim was only like a K, but in Florida, like I got completely exposed and just missed the whole race. Yeah. 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 That's what happens. But anyway, no more excuses. It's just happening. You'll mark my words. So I set a goal of doing a 1500 TT in like sometime before the season. So I'll probably do, I'll probably do like one in January, one in February, one in March, because it doesn't take that much out of your training or anything. Yeah, and I want to do 17 minutes. Like, it's not ridiculous. It's like, I know that at times I've been in 1730 shape in the past. Um, when I did, like, when I did 112s for 2K. So, 1730s, 110s. And if I, if, whatever, if I only, if I don't get down to 17 minutes, that's fine. But I just need to think in terms of like, if something's really, really hard and I'm swimming 115s and it's really, really hard, like, my efficiency just isn't there yet. Um, so it's just, it needs to be a different level, not just like, Oh, I'll eke out another second. Um, so anyway, that's where my head's at. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll just, yeah. 
become uh, Vincent Louis fast over the winter. We'll see. Yeah, if you do that, um, I don't even know. Uh, I'll go jump in the lake. Nice. So if I do a 17th, so what's the over-under? If I break, what time will you jump in the lake in February or March? Um, I would say it's 17 minutes. If you break 17 minutes. All right. I would, you get to pick the lake and I will do it in March. All right. That's going to be great. Let's do it. Now I have a lot of motivation because that would be great content. <laughs> Gotta have a yeah. defibrillator, defibrillator ready. Although you swim yeah. in freaking cold water anyway, you probably won't even mind that much. Yeah, but let's like set it. It's going to be Speedo, no wetsuit, no nothing. Jack picks a lake. I jump into it. March, whatever. Short course yards? Short course yard. Yeah, short course yards. No way. <laughs> short course, short course meters. All right, um, all right. Hey, my long course meter fifteen hundred PB is like seventeen forty five or something like that. Was it really? I thought it was like eighteen low. Which is also I have to look, yeah, I'll have to look this up. I'm pretty sure I went under eighteen. That's Either impressive. way, I know I know my short course eight hundred time is nine oh seven. Because I had to That's... do that for quest quest for gold. I had to go under nine ten for quest for gold. Nice. That's short course meters. Well, anyways, shaved. we're doing the second was... race. The only time I shaved my chest. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. so for the Ecuador race, we're leaving from Las Vegas Airport around midnight. And we're not getting to the actual like race hotel until like 5 p.m. on Friday. But it's weird because it's Eastern time. So we're actually like losing. How does that work? Yeah. So it's like. You're jumping two hours ahead. Yeah. So it's not as long as it seems. So it's only like. It's 15 hours. Yeah, but also that's a two-hour Vegas airport's two hours from St. George, and oh, Vegas is another hour though. Vegas is so we gain an um, hour, then we lose three hours. Correct. Um. So yeah. Anyway, six and a half hour flight hours. to Panama. Uh, actual Panama, not Panama City Beach, and then <laughs> two and a half hours from there to Guayaquil, and then a two-hour shuttle transfer over to Salinas. And Ecuador right now, not the safest country you could go to. However, the race organizers know that, and they're sending um, shuttles with people to pick us up, and they know where they're going, and we're not going to be taken out somewhere weird. So it should be fine. And we're also not supposed to bike on our own or go anywhere on our own while we're at the race, so that'll be that. But that's partly why we decided to go late, because we don't want to be stuck in a place where we can't really do much training. Um, so anyway. Okay. Well, sounds sounds like a lot of fun. I'll have to do that next year. Um, well, we can wrap this one up, though. So that was uh, kind of the Indian Wells 70.3 recap and then our plan to how we're going to get better next year and then uh, look at this Challenge Salinas race that no one's heard of. Uh, preview that Somehow, Nick, if there's a race in Ecuador, Nick's there. So, uh, 
found that. And then uh, coming up, we'll do a preview for next season, kind of what we're thinking, what we're going to do. Um, and then uh, it's Christmas. I doubt we're going to record on Christmas. Nick might make us record on Christmas. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, feeling good. So I'm just getting back into the swing of things. Just got back from my honeymoon. And uh, so we should get some consistent podcasting going. We will. I'm just about to go into off season, so I'm going to be more available, but also less desire to do the podcast. So that'll be an interesting balance. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah. So, all right, Jack. <laughs> Until all next right. time. Peace. Peace. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.